when you scored in the 113th minute, and that somehow doesn't mean a championship. <laughs> it's That's So MLS on North American Soccer Podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello. Um, I have, uh, as as the, the, the opening line uh, suggests, been watching some old games. I tried to watch the first MLS Cup that I ever saw in 2006. Yep. Um, which has been uh, an interesting, which which I thought was interesting. How are you doing? How is your uh, how how have things been going for you this last couple of weeks? I mean, I would really love to watch some soccer that was played this year, but um, <laughs> if I can't, I will settle for 2006, 1996. Any old year will do. Um, you know, all things considered doing pretty okay feeling fortunate uh definitely starved for some soccer content but i also appreciate that i feel like every every soccer fan right now is just trying to like bandy together and tell stories and look up old matches and share memories and there's not too much bemoaning it's really just like a a sharing the love of the sport moment absolutely um you got fifa 20 I did get FIFA 20. How did you like it? Um, Well, you know me. I'm a big fan of my old FIFA 2009 and was very reticent (laughs) to let let go of that. Um, At first, like I've played FIFA, uh, I think, 18 and 19 a couple of times. And I'm just, I'm garbage with controllers. And it's just so complicated because the games are so good now. Um but you gave me the helpful hint of like playing the like doing a lot of the training drills and stuff on mm-hmm. FIFA 20. So that's helped me considerably. Um I think I had the same thing with you where playing on the amateur mode, I would just win every game like 8 nothing. Um and then I bumped myself up to semi pro and now it's sort of like 2 nothing every game. So it's going all right. It's going all right. Uh, I started um, my player's career at Swansea, so I'm currently the the top goal scorer for the Welsh side. Well done. Um, I uh, I I played a little bit more of the drills. I got a little bit more into it, and I started the. Um, they've got this story mode. I don't know what I don't know what they have in 20. Do they still have the journey in FIFA 20? I don't know. So it's this story mode that they'd had at least as. In 17, 18, 19, where you play as like a, a bunch of set characters, essentially. Okay. And it started with the character of Alex Hunter, um, and this in the year's edition that I have, which is 19, you play as um, three different characters. You play as Alex Hunter, who is now a big European star. Um, you play as a player who's kind of struggling at striker in the Premier League, uh, who is Hunter's best friend. And you play as Hunter's half-sister, who is uh, trying to break into the U.S. Women's National Team. Okay. Which means that you have to become friends with Alex Morgan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the number one, that's the number one content in that, uh, in, in that swing of things. Is that you have to uh, ingratiate yourself to Alex, and they really do their best to try and, uh, and as far as I've played, have 
Alex and Morgan uh, be relatively welcoming to their the the new rival essentially in the same position. Mm. But I think that's that's the funniest part. That's the funniest part. Um, if you're you know coming at it from the perspective of a Canadian fan, is that I think that there's a certain amount of rivalry that is attached to Alex Morgan and 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 her role in the Canadian U.S. rivalry. But so you're now pals with Alex Morgan, and they also have a a fictional Canadian rival named Melanie uh... Tremblay. That you that you have to uh, that you have to oppose. Okay, and it's all like it's all built up like a story mode. So it's like like it it's almost like a soccer RPG, right? Like you you train and you gain stats for your character, and they they are built. There there are matches, but they're built into like specific parts of a scenario, and then there's like scripted cutscenes and stuff. Oh, I see. Okay, I think it's like the career mode in 20, but I could be wrong. Where you basically, you can create your own player. Right. And then build up their stats and stuff like that. But it doesn't really have the narrative built in as much. So you said you were watching a couple games. Uh, did you, you got a chance to see MLS Cup 2006? I sure did. Relived that old chestnut. What did you think of it? Oh. <laughs> Where to begin with this one? Um, I so, mean, it's, it wasn't a great game of soccer, but it, it was certainly entertaining. To to refresh the memory, this uh, was was contested between New England Revolution and Houston Dynamo in uh, in Pizza in what was then referred to as Pizza Hut Park, um, in the the home of FC Dallas there in Frisco, Texas. Um, it was nil nil through ninety minutes, and then uh, with there were two goals. In extra time leading up to penalties, and I think that the 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 biggest thing that was the issue for New England at this point is that this was what uh, this was their second straight final, and I think they have been two years before. This was like uh, essentially this was their third. I think this is probably their third final, or at least their 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 that was their third final in five years, and they. Um, they didn't win any of them. Um, in, in the, the challenging part, the funny thing is, is that this was like, I had been a soccer fan for a year or two. And then the, the week previous, I just flipped on the, the semifinal just cause it was soccer and it was on. And I was like, this is cool. I'll, I'll watch the final when it happens. And I remember it as being like relatively dramatic and entertaining. And the funny part is that you then, because it was so dead for ninety minutes, uh, you go back and you read contemporary match reports, and everybody's talking about how boring it was. Yeah, it's interesting how like how soccer games can can live in in memory is is very different than the actual thing itself. Now, of course. I did, like, have this on in the background while I was working. So the beauty of that first 90 minutes is that it just sails past while you're not paying attention. Yeah. Um, but it was a, it was pretty interesting. I, I At the time, I really was pulling for New England because I had pals that supported New England. And I, uh, you know, I had no Canadian teams were in MLS yet. Um, the... I hadn't really quite 
come to uh, know. Well, no, I think I was I was I was becoming a fan of Pat Ostad, but I knew that Houston had just been recently relocated from San Jose, so there was yeah. that kind of built-in enmity. But I I think that in some in some senses, um, it is one of the interesting things looking back from the Canadian perspective is that Houston had so many Canadians, including Dwayne De Rosario was there, Adrian Siri was there, and Pat Onstad, who uh, was a fantastic goalkeeper. For Canada and also for um, San Jose and Houston for many years. Yeah, and a Vancouver boy as well. That's right. You played for the Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. For uh, for UBC, what was your uh, what were the things that you noticed out of this one? Um, I think <laughs> we'll get to it when we talk a little bit about the 1996 match. But I think just really seeing how much the style of play has evolved. Um, and really thinking, especially the last few years, I mean, since we've been doing the show anyway, um, the, you know, the, the crispness of passes, the understanding of the game by players has improved so dramatically. And it's not that it's a bad match. It's just that it's not particularly tidy. Um, there's an awful lot of just giving up possession and uh, plays that don't really quite seem to come together. And I would also say a little bit of like, of course, I'm lacking the full context of watching a full season of both of these teams in 2006, but not the same sort of um, feel, feeling of like identity around a team. Um, the sort of collective vision of a team on the field, I felt like was was missing a little bit where it's still sort of like the chaos days of MLS. And it's a little bit like just keep kicking at the turf and the ball until you win it. And keep smashing it towards the net and see what will happen. I feel like the combination of, um, you know, roster rules that allow you to stock up more on forwards and and the, the general movement um, in the game across the around the world to you know focus more on possession and, and pressing um, means that like now in the league, if you have a bad defense you're usually going to be going up against a medium or great offense so like sometimes those defensive lapses are almost magnified because they're going to get capitalized on whereas you know in in a in a match like this if there are sort of you know it, it could be a loose all around yeah yeah you could have uh, even... some like not so great teams against some not so great teams and see what would happen. And it would be a little bit more even keeled, but I perhaps explains why this game went to the 753rd minute. I, I felt so bad uh, because I, I was aware now of the, of the context of new England of just, just you have that moment in the uh, you have that moment in, in extra time where Taylor Tolman scores and he's losing his mind because there's seven minutes left in the game. You would expect, you could expect that that is it. And that is it for a team that, that has had this experience of coming close so many times before. And, and mm. also for Twelman, it's the context of, um, he was a limit. He was, or sorry, he, he was not included for the U S squad at the 2006 world cup. Right. Um, and I remember, I have memories in my mind of him scoring and then running over the sidelines to pose in front of a big banner that said, why not Taylor? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and so 
there's this beautiful moment and and you know I've I've been following the images MLS images that preceded unfortunate events account and this is sort of thought of where he's losing his mind because he's acting like because because he's made a serious step towards New England winning the championship but it is uh, the just, best seventy one seconds of his life though. Yeah, because it, like immediately after, like on the next kick. Yeah, it is from kickoff that the 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 play is um is sent back up and and Brian Ching is the one who scores immediately to make it one one. It goes to penalties and I you you can't you can't help but feel bad when a defender is your fifth kicker as Jay Heaps was um and he. Skies it. Yeah. Or no, it saves. It was a... It's, it's like to, a, it slowly rolls to, to Pat Onstad. Oof. Which is yeah. never a good look at the, as the final kick at the can. And I also felt bad um, for Matt Race, who I feel like Matt... I feel like now people... You know, he's, his name is not most not on most people's tongues, but at the time he was a very... Like, I think he was one of the, the, the best keepers in the league. Um, oh, and, yeah, absolutely. And he, in this penalty shootout, almost for for almost every kick is guessing right. He's diving in the right direction, but he's just the the penalty blows by him every time. Right. So they did their best. I I was it was it was a it was great to see uh, some of the old faces. Showery Joseph. It was great to see. I liked, uh, you know, Avery John, who was in the the Trinidad and Tobago team at the World Cup before that. So it was a nice, it was a nice bout of nostalgia. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's one of the, you know, if we're looking for silver linings here about this time. Is it's a chance for people like me who came to MLS relatively late to go back and sort of, uh, I mean, refresh my memory on a few things, but also go back and and fill in some of the historical gaps to get a better sense of the where the league has come from. What did you like about that? Uh, you you mentioned that you saw the uh, the ninety six the ninety six debut game. Yeah, so this was uh, something that MLS aired. Uh, was it late, late last week? Anyway, they they showed the first ever MLS match between um, San Jose and DC United, and um, I mean, as you might be able to guess, it is not. A great game of soccer. Um, <laughs> it's certainly interesting, but um, is Bill Hamid, um, Eric Winalda, and then two other gentlemen whose names I forget. I apologize, but um, doing the commentary for it. So, and and really just talking about their own time with the teams um, and and talking about MLS. It was interesting. Um, Eric Winalda was talking about how at that time there was no such thing as playing out of the back because the pitch was like playing in a sandbox. So you just try, <laughs> if you were a defender, you just tried to get the ball and hoof it up field as fast and far as you could um, and not try to maintain possession. And you can see it on the field, like the ball is just bobbling around so, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a cute little anecdote about how as per FIFA regulations, you're not allowed to have any logos on the pitch. And so, like the day before the match, they had to spray paint over this massive logo in the middle of the field. Otherwise, the the match couldn't be played. So there's this big swath of like green spray paint all over the pitch. 
Um, was it an see, NFL logo? Was it like like the? I think it might have been. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's <laughs> it it was really interesting to hear from from them and talk about. I mean, the excitement around that day and the culmination of all the things to get MLS onto the pitch, but it was very much a uh, sort of make it up as you go atmosphere and and a really like do it yourself or approach to soccer. Um, the only other interesting thing of note from the commentary really was how um, they're sort of talking about what is needed to grow the league from where it is now. And Bill Hamid had some interesting thoughts where he's a big advocate of having um, a, a guaranteed number of minutes for like two or three homegrown players per side and really pushing the development products and making sure that they're guaranteed playing time. And he was sort of not knocking the university system, but essentially saying that if you want soccer to increase to a professional level, then you need more young players playing professional level soccer. And so you don't want to necessarily lose them to the university system or have players falling through the cracks, Um, which I I thought was kind of interesting. It's something that you and I have talked a little bit about in terms of um, player development at clubs, but it was interesting to hear Bill Hamid's take on it. And he's also well connected in with the coaching of the uh, youth teams for DC. Well, it's interesting to think about because I mean, I think that this is, you know, where things are going overall with, with, with university in MLS right now. But I remember when I was doing, you know, some analysis before uh, camp PL. So like about in 2011 or 2012 of what the pipeline was and how teams interacted with USL and, and university in Canada, which is less, you know, the, the level is less, but essentially like when a player got to that age, it's like the club has already identified who they want yeah. and who they don't want. And so university gives you that opportunity to, or, you know, the American university system does still provide development through that time and it provides the draft so so people can maybe try and identify talent that way but if you think of how talent is developed in clubs around the world that's awful late by the time yeah. a player has completed university um to to add a, a player into your system whereas you could have had them um sort of already used to the club for a couple of years before that yeah, and I mean, it, it's not impossible, and I think maybe that the university-USL um, connection anyway might be a little bit closer. I mean, we've seen players get drafted at an older age. I mean, I think Tim Parker was 20 when he came to the White Caps, and so it's not impossible, but I agree, it is rather late in a player's development, and where you see players like uh, Buana and... Who's the young kid from Toronto who was getting all the minutes last season towards the end? Oh, um... Fraser? No. Play somewhere else. Anyway, um, having players get young players get professional minutes, I think is is something that needs to be uh, looked at and managed. But I, I don't think the university system is a bad place for players. It's just that the question specifically was talking about how do you grow MLS from where it is, and I think that that's an astute point. Is it's not saying the methods that exist aren't good. It's saying that in order to continue to grow it and have MLS become one of the top leagues in the world, the youth development needs to start a little bit earlier and the young players need professional minutes and playing time. 
Maybe uh, uh, Achara, who is the draft pick. Yeah. This year that, that that's done so well. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, one of the things that uh, I got up to last week was um, I got in touch um, a, a year ago before the Halifax Wanderers started their season in Canadian Premier League. Uh, I got in touch with head coach Stephen Hart. We had a, a chat about the league that was about to begin. Um, it's been a year since the uh, inaugural game on May 4th, 2019. Um, so just before that happened, uh, on, on the Thursday last week, we had a little chat. Yeah, let's, let's listen to it. So, um, I guess this Saturday, uh, April 4th would have been the anniversary of the first HFX Wanderers game. Yes, it would have been. Or I guess, I guess it still is. Well, yes. Well, that that's true. It it it, it still is the first uh, anniversary of the game, and uh, and uh, what 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 a beginning it was, you know. Now that I guess the club's first year is under its belt, when you uh, look back, how do you feel about uh, that first year and everything that happened? Um, I mean, you know, the, the first season was was a little bit uh, eye opening um, in many ways. A lot of a lot of learning, um, especially from from the point of view of of the travel. Um, that was a big uh, big experience uh, for everybody. Um, but you know, it, it had it it had its ups and downs and uh, some some really good moments, um, especially in the cup run. Um, right. So, and, you know, and, and some great home games. Is that sort of like, I feel like that's the number one discovery here is that, the, you know, especially you, you always hope that there are fans there and there's the, the connection. But I know a lot of people said that that was one of their sort of um, their opinion of, of sort of the best um, atmospheres in the league. Yeah, um, that that was that was certainly um, you know uh, a high point uh, of of the club and and of the league was was the the Halifax uh, tremendous support um, come rain shine cold weather it didn't matter they were there. Do you put that down to um, the? I, I guess it could be a mix of factors, but I think that the thing that interests me the most, being somebody that um, is from BC originally and spent some time in Ontario, is sort of the getting to experience the vibrant um, Atlantic Canadian soccer community firsthand. Yeah, I, I think we, we've always had a quite a, quite a sort of passionate soccer community here. Um uh, but but really, the, the club did a fantastic job. Uh, Derek Martin and and the, the the team off the field did a, a a really fantastic job in in promoting the club and 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 of course the supporter groups were were a big a big help. They they were pushing things before before the club really came into existence, and they certainly put their you know put their money where their mouth uh, is, so to speak. I quite liked that uh, the little YouTube feature that was on One Soccer, um, where it showed you at the Saint Francis Field. 
Oh yeah, I only uh, to be honest, I only looked at that a few a few hours ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Was it... I, I haven't seen I haven't seen the the, the, the documentary yet. Right. Um, that was something that I was, I was looking at in terms of the, like, that this is sort of a long-term, this has been a long-term run for you in, in the community. Is it, given that you, you, you live there, has that, uh, has that changed anything? Like, do people, uh, do people recognize you differently on the street than they did before? Now that you're, I guess, no, that, this, you're the hometown no, manager? This, no, no, they still push me out the way. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I I don't think there's there's any sort of uh, you know significant uh, rec- recognition. Um, you know, uh, I've been I've been here a while. And I'm, I'm a bit of a fixture. <laughs> well, one thing that I do find nice as a soccer fan is that the, the times that I've been to Halifax since then is that you do see a lot more like you know flags and businesses and stuff like that, and it feels like it's definitely a lot more in the forefront. Yeah, I mean the, the the Wanderers took the city by by storm, and you know it's it's summertime. It's something to do. Um, a, a lot of people, uh, the 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 midweek games. I, I know it, it was difficult for for the club, but you know it, it it was it was something to do. And then you know the games on the weekend were 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 just were just a fantastic outing. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of businesses came on board and, uh, it was almost a breath of fresh air in the city from a sporting perspective. Um, because we do have other, other, uh, uh, sporting, uh, clubs here. Um, but, but they're, you know, they're more or less all, all indoor. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, what, and I I have more specific questions about the the off season, but just because this this clip got me into like wondering, and 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 this is some of our listeners in New Brunswick, I'm sure has have Halifax experience and are, are interested in hearing about this kind of stuff. What was it like coming over to play in Halifax uh, when you were 20? What was the city like then? I guess compared to how you see it now, sleepy. Uh, <laughs> um... But uh, you know, it is well for me. It was it, it was so new. You know, I left Trinidad and Tobago um, I, on my way here. I, I, I basically, I think, I spent pretty close to almost a month in New York, and and then then I came up here, um, and and everything was new, and I was excited to be to be playing soccer. Uh, you know, and and school was was I had been out of school for almost uh, what four years, three years. Um, so all of you know everything was was fresh and new, and uh, you know, so it was exciting. Uh, and 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 then the snow came. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the maritime summer does that. It 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 is you you show up because I first I made my first visit to New Brunswick in September. While the weather was still nice, and I was like, "Oh, this is so beautiful." Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when when I first came, people, you know, everybody was telling me how how cold it's going to be and all of that. And of course, I landed in in I think late August, early September, and it was, it was gorgeous. And um, I thought, "Oh, this is not too bad. I could handle this." Uh, uh, until my first, I think my opening game was in New Brunswick, actually. 
and I, I couldn't feel my couldn't feel my feet. <laughs> um, the one thing that I've also noticed is that you do seem to go in, in a lot of the the appointments that you've had. You've, I mean, I feel like sometimes when they leave home, it's like they leave home and they come back, but or they leave home and they go to another place. But it really seems like you've been able to to sustain like a bi directional communication, where you're where you're in, you know, you've. You've worked in both places. You've come back and forth quite a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, my family was here all through when I, they didn't travel with me, which made it extremely difficult. Um, but it, it, it was par for the course. Uh, you know, they kind of they were born into it, grew up into it. Um, so, you know, it, it was one of those things where, you, you, you were, or oh, I was extremely um, grateful, proud, flattered, really, to be to be coaching Canada at, at every age group to be involved. And then, of course, when I when I when I was offered the opportunity to coach Trinidad and Tobago, which was always, you know, always in the back of my mind, something I wanted to do. You know, at at any level, really, I just wanted to contribute back into. Uh, you know, a country that gave me so much as well. And um, so it, 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 it was just, it was almost like being caught up in a, in a sort of a, a dream with, with, with good moments, bad moments, but always enjoyable moments. That makes a lot of sense. And then you, you ended up um, back in, in Halifax where you had uh, spent a lot of time with the provincial agency as well on the, on the administrative side. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and it's 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 always good in in the Wanderers games to see you know all those all those players that I I I, I played with or, or coached over the years. Uh, see them with their families. Uh, uh, so many years we spent talking about it. Be nice to have a, a a professional team here and be able to go and watch games on a Saturday. And and still be still be blessed to be healthy enough to 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 be involved and contribute in my own little small way. Um, I noticed that uh, that John Michael Williams has retired. What was it like? I guess being able to to see to to work with him in his last year. Um, it, it, it was good. I mean, he he had such an un, un, unlucky streak uh, streak with myself. Um, when I coached Trinidad and Tobago, I mean, we had some great games together, and and then he got injured in a Gold Cup, and then in the World Cup qualifying, he got injured again, and um, and then he came here and he got injured. So uh, I don't think I'm, I'm very lucky for him. Um, but but that being said, uh, you know, he was he was a top class professional. Um, in all my dealings with him, uh, really top class professional. It was, it was great to, to be able to to have that last chance to work with him, and and uh, he's retired, and and now he's going to be part of the staff uh, when all of this is over, um, which I'm looking forward to. That's great, and it, and and I almost feel like you know we've heard a little bit that he may have already been in something of a mentorship role to Christian Oxner. The, the the current starting goalkeeper. Yeah, they had a they had a great relationship, and you know, at, at one point in the in the season, um, 
you know, basically, I, I said to, to to Jan, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of starting you in the game, and how do you feel about it? And I mean, he, you know, he he said, Coach uh, Christian's doing well. Um, you know, I, I've been out for a long time. But, you know, why, why change things? Um, which was a which was you know very professional sort of response, and and he had a great relationship with, with Christian. So. You know, I really, I really didn't expect anything different from, uh, from John. It's been quite a busy off season for the Wanderers, and and I think that's true around the league, um, in terms of players that were brought in for inaugural seasons. You know, you 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 see what worked, and some people stay, and some people don't. I think sometimes there are there are players that that fans had a little bit of an attachment to that they're surprised to see on the on the movement. Um, what are your what's your take on on the um, the movements that the club has made so far in the offseason? Well, look in 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 this business, you you are in a situation where there were where there were some players. You know, we we had the year under our belt. There were a lot of a lot of restrictions on how teams could be built um, in the first year, and and of course that that always complicated things. So we got an idea of, of what kind of team we wanted. I I know the kind of players I like and the kind of uh, the kind of game I wanted to play. Um, and and I really saw year two as the year when you really start to build the kind of squad that 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 you would like. Because I mean, we were not lucky enough to have a team in being uh, more or less with a with a nucleus of players that we could draw upon. Which, which right. largely, largely some other clubs had. Um, so there were there were a number of players we would like to keep. Um, uh, you know, some of them really and truly didn't didn't accept. You know what was being offered. They they thought they could do better somewhere else, and that's fair enough. I mean, everybody looks after themselves first. Um, so we, we we didn't get to keep them, and and then there were there were other situations with, especially with the internationals, where some changes. You know, we 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 felt uh, along with the league that some some changes were coming, and and we better make that move uh, first, um, uh, which I, which I think was a wise decision by the club, um, and. Uh, Unfortunately, some of the changes were, were were more than we would have liked. But in the, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's no sense crying about it. You just sort of get on with it. I feel like people have that sort of just appreciation um, for for some players. Is there is there one in particular that you really appreciate what they they put together, and you're you're uh, you're hopeful for them to have some good success in the future? Well, I, I think really and truly all of them, um, because they did their best. They 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 tried to contribute under under some difficult circumstances, um, and, and I wish all of them the best in 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 the game. This 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 game doesn't promise you anything. Um, players players come and go, and the game the game continues. Uh, so really and truly all of them, because as far as I'm concerned. They they played as big a part as anybody else in in establishing you know what the Wanderers are and in the great uh, opening season that we had from an entertainment perspective 
uh, and I, I just wish all of them well. Um, some of the uh, the acquisitions uh, look very interesting. One of the things that we talked about last year is kind of like, and, and you mentioned, I feel like one of the ways that you dealt with um, not having that nucleus in the first year was to get a lot of players that had worked together or had worked with you. Um, are there some players that are in this new set that have that kind of previous experience either with each other or members of the existing squad or yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a few players that, that came through the, the, the sort of Montreal Academy, um, the Impact Academy. Um, so that is, you know, that I, I think is, is, a, is a bit of a bonus, that sort of familiarity. And and then we, you know, in in even when we are selecting the international players, um, we we try to get players that could help each other settle down a bit because it's it's difficult uh, to excuse me to come in new environment uh, for some players playing on artificial surface, which is which is brand new to them. I know for people in North America it seems normal, but usually for the rest of the world. Uh, most most players don't really see artificial uh, surface, um, so you know, new culture, new new everything, and uh, it's it's difficult to settle down, especially since we have such a short period of acclimatization, so to speak. Um, it's not like you know financially we could we could bring them in months in advance and and get them to you know become familiar. Um, it's sort of boom, you come right into to the environment and, and you have to settle down and you have to to perform. Um, and, and if you listen to, to the top players in the game, when they move from country to country, it takes them sometimes about six months to settle down. And we really don't have six months, if you know what I mean. Is that sort of something that, that is good for looking at, say, the, the Carabans or um, uh, the, the college system where you can get international players that have already been here for a minute? Quite possibly, yes. I mean, uh, we, we have a few. Um, so, yeah, I would say yes. Um, I one of the uh, In the last year a bit, I've done some ring announcing uh, – or not ring announcing, match announcing with the um, – uh, UMB St. John team. So I've had a little bit of a chance to see, uh, Ibrahim Asano play. And uh-huh. I think that, that, that he should be, uh, that, that is something that I find really interesting, uh, seeing him come up to this level. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I had him the, the year before, uh, when we played Fortuna Dusseldorf in an exhibition game. Fantastic young man. Um, you know, he would have, he would have, he would have been a, you know, a foreign player last year. But this year, he's got all his papers. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, the whole world is in a different, different state uh, than ever before, and and his dream came true, and and he hasn't really been been in a situation where he can he can show himself but uh, hopefully soon he can do that right so he played at Holland College in, in PEI have the players have, have the players all arrived in Halifax I guess the 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 season would have started on the 11th so so how far did everything get through preseason before then no we, no we have two internationals that uh 
that got caught uh, in with visa, is, visa issues. Um, and then, of course, the borders were closed. So, um, you know, unfortunately for them, they didn't get in. Uh, maybe fortunately for them, because they're with their families. All the rest, all the rest are here. Um, spirits seem to be good, uh, just from touching base with, with, with the players. Um, but, but they're bored. Uh, you know, they would much rather be out kicking a ball and training. But they understand this is not about right now. This is not about football and sport. And this is about the world getting healthy again. Um, which, may I ask which two? Uh, Alex Marshall and uh, uh, Santos. So it'll be kind of a, a when uh, whenever it is that things work is is then there'll be a, a a renewed attempt to make those visas happen. Well, no, they've got the visa. Um, so right. the border's closed. Um, oh, right. Oh, they had a visa issue, so they weren't able to cross it. Then when they got the visa, the border was, by the time that yeah, they... Yeah, I should mention, John is in the same boat, John Michael. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, that could be a dip. I mean, that's one thing when you think about what happens, whether or not, you know, suppression measures are lifted before um, the border is. I, yeah, well, the, I mean, you know, that's that's out of that's out of my control, and mm -hmm. uh, the club will deal with this, with the situation. However, I mean, however, whatever regulations are, are put in place, if if the, the, the I don't know if people that have to travel will have to take a, a screen screening test, and and then they, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so mm -hmm. we'll just deal with whatever happens. So we've heard, we hear at, at some other clubs that they're doing sort of home workouts and trying to sort of keep uh, tabs on players at, at intervals. What is uh, Halifax's approach to that, Ben? Yeah, well, our, um, uh, the, the players are in constant contact with with the people who are responsible for, for the fitness. Um, mm -hmm. they, have, they have workouts that they have to do and they all have apps that they have to log it into. Um, I, I, you know, the usual, the usual problems that you have one or two players not, not doing the work, but not doing the, the logging in of the work, a little bit lazy on that end. Um, and, and I don't know why it's not like they got a lot to do. Um, <laughs> so, you know, had a little word with them and, uh, they assured me that they're doing the work, uh, but they, they were a little lazy in, in doing the paperwork. So, um, like everybody else, we're keeping everybody as sharp as possible, and, and when when it's time to go, we hope to be ready to go. I, I think uh, uh, people would be uh, way more, way, way, way more appreciative of of sport when when this is all over. I I feel like everybody has a little story of something they've been putting off or something they they had scheduled for the next weekend that they had to put off or a, or a travel trip. Was there anything that you, that, that any sort of little plan that you had set that you, uh, that ended up getting scuppered by this thing? Yeah. Training. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we had, we had all our training modules set and then training camp, two fantastic games. Um, all, all, all had to be put off. Um, 
In terms of the returning players, um, who are some of the uh, who are some of the players I think that impressed you a lot and, and that you are um, you're excited to have back and, and build towards that that second season? Well, I mean, if, if I'm realistic, all the returning players, um, you know, uh, they impressed me in one way or the other. Um, and, and I was really glad that they accepted the offer um, to to return, you know. Um, it's not, not one in particular. Um, of course, they each bring their individual qualities. It is a team thing. And um, I'm, I'm really, ha- really happy when they said, yeah, we, we'll sign the contract. Um, so, you know, it was just a matter of getting back down to business. Um, the atmosphere in the group was tremendous in the, the first little two weeks that we had together, however long it was. Um, so yeah, can't, can't wait to get back. It feels like in, in what is, is somewhat, uh, of a younger front line that Akeem Garcia is going to, um, be able to take some of that experience forward. Yeah, I think he was very underrated player um, in the league. Uh, you know, he he, he scored eight goals uh, in 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 cup and, and league games, and uh, never he he he's not on free kicks, he's not on penalties, um, and really and truly, uh, I, I think you know he he had a year under his belt, and I was really excited to see how he how he would do. So. Uh, we 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 brought in some players that could that could sort of help him um, along the way in terms of assist and 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 pulling defenses in you know apart. Uh, so you know I was really interested to see what kind of relationship they they got into. Um, are you excited to have Peter Schala back? And is is that going to be kind of as he finished his last year now? with Cape Breton. Yeah, he is. And uh, we, we're, we're happy to have him back. And, you know, um, I, I know he's looked around and he's seen, well, now there's, there's competition uh, for places. And uh, he came in working, working very hard. Um, and, and that's what this is about, you know. At the end of the day, you're in the competition business. And, and football... Uh, teams are a paradox because you have to you have to fight and, and prove yourself um, to, to get on a starting 11 you have to fight and prove yourself to stay on the starting 11 uh, which means knocking some of your teammates onto the bench uh, and then you have to turn around and, and play as a team um, so you know anytime a player demonstrates that that competitive will to go through that you got to admire them um, I know that in terms of, of players in the league that, that, that Canadian Premier League fans are aware of, the signing of Louis Bailon Goyette is something that um, I think some people are excited by. Um, how did that come together and, and how are you feeling about that? How are you excited about having Louis on board? Um, really, really excited, really. Uh, else I wouldn't have gone for him. <laughs> <But> <laughs> In in reality, you know, he's 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 the kind of of, of midfielder that 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 I felt we we needed. Um, we we were we were losing Elton John, albeit a, a, a different type of 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 midfielder. 
Um, we we had Elliot Simmons, who who I liked a lot, and uh, it, you know it, it didn't work out uh, in the end. Um, but but really and truly, uh, Louis brought something very 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 different in in terms of how the ball would be moved, um, and and. Uh, I felt he was a kind of midfielder that could adapt to what I was was asking for, to 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 complement the other midfielders that we that we also brought in. Um, so I mean we haven't even we hadn't even reached a point of of individual roles and responsibilities yet, but that was the thinking behind it. Um, I feel like this was the first year because you know all the teams are to a certain extent unknowns in the first year this was the first year that kind of like uh the campiel had a like you know tried to settle into it or the first off season the campiel really settled into its role in the rest of like the soccer ecosystem with having um all kinds of leagues um interact with it not just in terms of players going to the campiel but also um other teams scouting the campiel you saw joel waterman going to the impact Etc. Um, where do you? How do you think that played out? In and where do you think Campiel sits? I guess now in the broader soccer ecosystem. Um, well, certainly, certainly, uh, the the recognition is there, um, and you know, uh, you know, I, I, I think when it was first starting and starting up, people, are, you know. Other clubs, leagues might have been a little flippant, um, but but really and truly, I think with with, with the movement we have seen and um, you know the way the the, the teams handled them, themselves in the cup and and everything else, the 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 visual nature of of uh, media pro and one soccer um, showing the games, I, I think it's it's definitely a league that. That eyes are going to be are going to be on. That makes a lot of sense. One of the biggest, I guess, changes for the league in general. You you were mentioning the cup run, and the the that ended with uh, Ottawa Fury, um, who are no more, and and now the new Ottawa team that's going to be joining the league is uh, Atletico Ottawa. Um, what is your take on that? I guess as a, as another team in the league and, and looking at them as a potential rival. Fantastic, uh, really. Uh, you have a team uh, in the nation's capital, um, which uh, you know uh, is, is almost a must, uh, really. And and then to have uh, the, the the pedigree behind uh, that that team, um, I, I think is is simply fantastic. And then, then of course, the balanced uh, balance East West uh, um, situation. So you know, it's it's nothing but a plus, nothing but a plus. Um, and really, I was looking. You know, of course, we're 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 all looking forward to this team being in the league and and, and everything that it brings. And uh, can't wait. Uh, I, I don't think I could say that enough to to get started. Um, other than uh, other than interviews like this, uh, how have you been spending your time um, while we wait for things to get going again? Uh, well, uh, you know, first was was 
spending my time trying to adapt, um, you know, uh, and, and then uh, watching a lot of football, <laughs> um, a lot of it, uh, to be honest. Um, I started off by by sort of watching all all World Cup games and all all European nights. Um, which which I, I thoroughly enjoyed looking at the greats, UCBO, George Bass, everybody, and and the old World Cup games, and and then I, I tried to take uh, a couple hours to 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 study the top teams, the top managers, you know how they go about things, and um, and then also a couple of hours for exercising. Um, because in this situation, food seems to be way too easy to come by, um, and I, I guess I'm, I'm I'm lucky in that respect because I'm you know I'm, I'm always always conscious of the fact that there are a lot of people that that uh, don't have homes, don't have food uh, in this situation. Um, but yeah, that's that's how the day is sort of of, of broken up. And and well, today talking to you. Um, do you have, cause I'm also trying to go through some of these old matches. If you had an old match, it, it, it can be North American in scope or not. If you, if, or let's say North American, cause this is a North American soccer podcast. If you could think of an old match that people should go back and watch, um, what would your recommendation be? Oh, wow. I, I don't know so much of, of a match. Uh, certainly, um, in in the old CSL, some of the Vancouver Hamilton games they were interesting, really, really uh, interesting. Um, a couple of MLS games with with uh, DC United, Echeverria, you know, uh, that that sort of era. Um, when you, those, I, I was going to say um, that I saw a. a uh, the TSN had their best hundred MLS goals roundup, and you just watch that and you realize how good Echeverria was. Yeah, I mean he was uh, he was he was a special player, and and of course the league had a lot of special players in it, Carlos Valderrama, and you know you you, you tend to you, you tend to forget how far that league has come. Right, you watch that. I watched the two one of them like my I think my second MLS game that I ever watched. Was the 2006 Cup final um, with New England versus Houston, and even that seems, you know, a lot of a different world in some ways than the the league we watch now. But I also am excited to see faces like Dwayne Rosario, etc. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, 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 I, I watched some of Dwayne's games, and you know, I, I think there was a lot of discussion about Landon Donovan, who was a great player in the league in his own right, but. Um, I mean, Dwayne was was a special player in MLS, and I, I don't think a lot of people know how how special he was for sure. Um, thank you so much for your time. It's been really great talking to you today. No, thank you. So that was Stephen Hart. I love this chat with him. I um, I mean, I just he's such a interesting guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I kind of like that he's he's like our. I mean, he's been on the show twice now, but I, I feel like he's like our old buddy Steve. Let's get him on. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I he's very very generous with his time, which I really appreciate. And it was very nice to get to uh, to chat with him again. 
Um, he's been through so many. Um, he's been through so many eras of Canadian soccer, and he. Um, I I really value the experience at that very grassroots level of of working with the provincial associations and stuff as, as being something that where you really see from the youth side of the game up, like how things have changed um, in the time since he came over here as a 20 year old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that I love is just how much he loves talking about soccer as well. He's been sitting there. I loved his points about just like, I'm just watching old games to see what managers are doing. Yeah. Well, I I think that's, that's such an interesting thing about, um, I, I think there's so much talk around, you know, MLS 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever Windows release we're in right now um, and, and sort of the modern age. But I think a lot of people don't always understand that most managers are, uh, you know, they're historians in a way because they, they're lovers of the game. They grew up watching the game and playing the game in, in different times and quote unquote eras of it. And so the the research that they're doing is not just necessarily looking at, you know, who are the top two or three European managers in the world right now. It's looking back and seeing how things are done um, at other points. Absolutely. I was interested to talk to him about, I guess, how things are shaping up with Halifax. The, um, the of, of course, despite how, you know, entertaining it has been to watch Halifax games. It was an up and down year, um, and I don't think they're the only team that's had a lot of tr- uh, turnover in the Canadian Premier League off season. But um, it, it, Halifax has done a lot of move, has, has made a lot of moves. Some of the moves, you know, uh, we talked a little about it a little bit. Where it's just, you know, it can be when you have a player that's your favorite player, you can you can say, hey, wait, no. Um, yeah. For me, that was Kodai Ida. Uh, who I really liked. Um, but I think that um, the the players they've brought in are, are interesting. And it, it seems almost to him, it's not that he wants, it seems like time is the most important quantity to him in terms of, in terms of mm-hmm. continuing to build the team and continuing to progress. Like, you know, he, he, he tried to get players that related to each other before, um, in an, almost an attempt to engineer camaraderie because he didn't have that time on his side before. Right, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see things return in, in a, a timely manner. Um, Have you heard anything? Or I, I, I'm trying to think if we've heard anything new. I think we're still looking at that. Uh, the 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 late May date, or at least at least Canadian Premier League have have postponed the the season start to that, if I recall. Yes, yeah, I don't think there's been uh many updates. I think right now we're still sort of at least the month of April is out. Um, but I th- I mean I think the thing that is on everybody's minds is that you know they're going to extend this thing you know month by month. Le- likely um but it seems really you know as as we're watching the news and seeing what's going on around the world in north america especially it's really hard to feel like this is coming back anytime soon um i mean just the idea that you were gonna have 
players on a pitch and a stadium full of fans like everything is normal before the end of the summer to me seems if not incredibly optimistic like just sort of impossible in a way um the u.s president donald trump had a meeting with sports commissioners including don garber a teleconferencing meeting where he said that you know he hopes to have fans back in in stadiums by august to in september to have the nfl season start in time on september i think that the biggest thing that you've always you always hear with that is the um the the U.S. doctor Anthony Fauci, who's a part of, I think, the CDC response, who just says, you don't set the timeline, the virus sets the timeline. Um, and even though I'm, we're, we're sports fans, I don't want to rush that. I don't think that sports is worth rushing that. And and that was some some of the quotes you hear, you know, speak to this deep need to do it, but I not over people's safety, in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And I feel like that's kind of where everyone is at right now. It's just like there's nothing there's nothing we can do. So <laughs> we'll all just sort of sit and wait patiently. Um, it's interesting. I, I feel like in the last week or two, we've all talk of return has sort of dwindled off because as especially the way things are unfolding in New York, um, it, we're just so far away from even being able to consider something as relatively trivial as putting players on a field right now. Yeah. Um, that, and I think it's good of the leagues to just sort of back down from that a bit and focus on, um, you know, talking about memories uh, and creating <laughs> content where they can and just being like, this is where we're at. So we're not going to go radio silent, but it, it, there's no point in having constant updates when there's no information to give and everybody's in the same position. The, uh, the the Olympics have been postponed to 2021. Uh, FIFA, I think, is working, is, is the working group is working on the idea of letting people continue existing seasons throughout the year. So if it's a league like the Premier League, they'll be able to, um, there's no window for when it has to end under this proposal, right. if I recall. Um, I think that some of the things you hear about where people talk about the idea for the Premier League of trying to conclude the English mm. Premier League by bringing all of the clubs and players to like a hermetically sealed location and and having a, a just like a, a super speed, sped up season with everybody held in stasis is just wild to me. I wouldn't want that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I think, I don't know if reality, well, I do know. I just don't think reality is hit for some people yet that like, all it takes, though, is one person who's just carrying the virus, and now you have a league's worth of sick people. Um, and it's just, it's obviously gotten far more serious than anybody originally expected. Um, I saw a story just this afternoon. Um, Pep Guardiola's mother passed away from COVID-19. Oh, no. Um, so, like, it's, it, you know, it, it's the real deal. It's affecting people. And you, the idea that they're like we're trying to invent you know different ways and sort of like how how could we get around the virus like we, you can't there's just just shut it down stay home that's it end of story <laughs> we'll we'll see you when you we see you but yeah the the last time i talked it's like you know i was saying that they were starting to do you know, fan and building wrestling events again well i think they're now walking that back because japan Japan had 
a good run of it and is now, I think, starting to get it. Uh, they announced a state of emergency yesterday. Yeah. Um, which just shows that you can't, there's no, there's no cheating it. There's no, there's no sneaky, there's no sneaking around it. Well, and, there, and there's no point in starting back to just have to do this all over again, right? Like, there's no point in starting mm-hmm. up a season, play two games, one sick fan comes in and ends up with 300 new infections or more. Like, um, and because we know of the, like, the gestation period of this bloody thing is you're not even going to know anything for two weeks. So by then you've got potentially tens of thousands of people infected, all because we pushed things to get back sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. We have one player, the, an unnamed player from the Philadelphia Union, has tested positive. Oh, okay. We found that. out last Wednesday. Mm. The uh, the other piece of non COVID nineteen related news that I was uh, well, there were two there are two uh, little tidbits I wanted to mention uh, to get your thoughts. Uh, there is this item about Carlos Vela. Have you heard about it? Uh, I don't think so. So essentially, he said uh, that in, I believe, the off season. Let me find you. Let me find the text which I lost by looking up that information that I was just seeing. Um, he uh, he says that LAFC uh, blocked his blocked a, a loan move to Barcelona. Barcelona had offered a four year or sorry a four month contract, um, and he told AFP. No, he told GQ Mexico um, that uh, that LAFC wouldn't let him make the move. Interesting. I, mean, I think I, that th- I don't blame them, but the two things that, that spring to mind is that you used to see MLS players um, go in the off season to you know Landon Donovan and would go to Everton and um, Beckham went to AC Milan and stuff like that. But I really don't think it help, it, it helps the, the the home club. Um, and other than that as well, uh, since when were you able to offer somebody to loan a player to you? <laughs> how do you how do you offer somebody a loan contract? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> That's the wild. other. The other tidbit that I thought you might like is um, it's a, it was presented as a as a quirky piece of news um, through MLS is that there was a uh, um, a media availability with Russell Tiber and Maxime Crippo of the Whitecaps, right? Um, yeah, and we've known we know um, that um, it, it's it's another great character moment for Russell Tiber as he. Um, we we learned that he does not subscribe to any streaming services. Uh, he only uh, um, Tybert says or uh, Crippo says Russ is still on the VHS stuff. Uh, so so Russell Tybert is there. We we learned in this interview um, just watching old VSH, uh, VS, VHS tapes and watching the BBC Life Channel. <laughs> A man after my own heart. Every time we're on the road and I come back in the room, BBC Life is on the TV, Kripos says. <laughs> hey, you got to get your nature shows in. I don't know. It it, it helps me uh, think a little bit. I think Russell Tybert is one of those sort of like, he's a bit of a renaissance man, you know? Like he's, he's yes. got brains. Was it him, the person that will never 
talk about a like never talk negatively or like accept negative points when you're talking to him. I'm not I sure. Remember, I remember hearing an interview about that. Like if you were like, well, last year's a, last year's a bad year. What do you think of next year? He'd be like, I'm not going to say that last year was a bad year. Right. I mean, I think like, he's done that. A, he's done that a little bit. I mean, that end of season press conference from two years ago, he certainly didn't hold back. So <laughs> he's known to tussle every once in a while. I like that old, the old soul, Russell Tybert. Do you have any other little tidbits that you saw that are uh, that would uh, that, that that caught your fancy? Not particularly, no. I mean, we've seen a lot of MLSsoccer.com has been kind of scraping the barrel of ideas and doing uh, today's. I think was like the twenty-five best names in MLS. And at first, I didn't quite understand the purpose of it, and they literally just meant the names of the players that sounded ah! the best. I was like, "All right, we might be, uh, you know, might be time to like see if we can get some players filming some videos at home." Um, I was I going think... through. Go ahead. I was going through the athletic, and they, the like, like some of the last ten articles are like. The best player to wear number seven. The best player to wear number six. The best player to wear number five. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of lists. And that's where I like, they like, just haul out some old matches and get some players on there to do a commentary. That's plenty for me. Um, I know if you, if you, well, if you have the time, there's a statement for right now. When you have the time, um, looking up the various teams, social media channels, they've been doing some good stuff with players and, uh, trying to keep fans engaged and players as well. So it's tough for them to to not be doing what it is they want to be doing, right? Um, yeah. I think they're all going a little bit stir-crazy as well. And players, if you are listening to this and you would like to, you know, ex- <laughs> express what's going on, uh, where can you find Nick online? You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at That's So MLS. You can find this podcast at That's So com and wherever fine podcasts are procured. Where can we find you? You can find me online on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team Bates.com. Beautiful. And until we, uh, until we speak next, don't get sent off. <laughs>